0: Well, come on, man. Somebody give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. (laughs) All that joy in your life, you know, that's from Jesus. You know that, right? All right. Well, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. All right. Well, you guys look beautiful today. I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited about this word that God gave to me. Um, Let's go ahead and read our declaration together. We got that? All right. Father God, I thank you that I prosper in all things and in health, even as my soul, mind, will, and emotions prospers. Father, we we surrender our time today to you, God. We thank you, Father, for the invitation that you gave us today to come here and be with you, Father. It's only to worship you. It's only to be with you. It's only to know you better, God. And so, Father, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear your voice, Father. Open up our hearts and our our minds, Father, to receive it today, God. We love you and we bless you. We don't want to walk out of here the same way we walked in. We just thank you for this time, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, my son, my oldest son, gave me, uh, a couple of years ago, gave me a uh, set of golf clubs. And a couple of years ago, I went maybe twice and I was just—I was garbage. Like I had no idea. You know, when you're like an athlete, you just think that you're good at every sport. But I learned quickly that I was horrible at golf. And so, I went a couple of years, and I mean, a couple of times a couple of years ago, and I was really bad. I went last year and found out I was even worse. Um, <laughs> and uh, this year, we had an opportunity to go on my birthday, and so we did. You know, we golfed 18 holes and. And I got better, you know what I mean? And, and golf is so mean because what happens is, is, is you're garbage, but then you get a nice shot and you think, I got it. <laughs> like, that's it, man. From here on out, I, I got it. Uh, but, you know, that's on, like, the second hole, and then, you know, 16 more holes, you're garbage again. Um, it just reminds you. But uh, a couple of weeks ago... We had an opportunity to go to Florida, and um, we, where we were, there was a par three course there. You know, and par three just means that it should take you three shots to get uh, the ball in the hole. And we went out, I was there for four days, and we went out and golfed probably three of those four days. And so every day, we were just out there, we were just out there hitting. And, you know, each day, uh, you know, Pastor Troy would say to me, he said, man, just, move your wrist like that, pop your wrist back like this, keep your arms straight, you know? So every single day, there was something different that I was able to do that improved my swing. And on the third day, I finally got a par three. And I'm telling you, I could have left golf alone from that day on and told that story for the rest of my life. You know, Uh, but what I realized that week was there's this quality that we all share, that we all possess, um, that has the potential not only to improve your golf swing, uh, but this spiritual quality, it has the potential to change the course of your year. Better yet, it it has the potential to change, have have an impact on your life, right? it can impact everything. It can impact your spiritual uh, strength. It can impact your health, your, your, your financial potential, your relationship, your intimacy. It is the key to you accomplishing your goals. You guys want to know what this is? This quality that I'm talking about, it won't, even, it won't just give you a nice par three, but it'll change the course of your life. I'm talking about consistency, consistency. Our consistency has uh, the impact to completely change our entire lives. But if you're anything like me, when you hear that word consistency, you're, you're just like, great, consistency, right? Consistency is like a boring word, but, and we're all pretty, I think, bad at being consistent at everything, right? Like we can, we can be inconsistent when it comes to uh, eating, or we can be inconsistent when it comes to working out, or our prayer time, or reading our Bible. And I believe most of us have really good intentions, but we're just bad at following through. Example is, my wife, I know that her love language is words of affirmation. And so on our refrigerator, we have this, we have two magnet uh, dry erase boards on there. And, and so, every once in a while, i try to put on there just words of affirmation. You know, and a while ago I put on there that, uh, what did I say? I said, uh, I'm wearing the smile that you gave me today. Aww. <laughs> I'm wearing the smile that you gave me today. And, and she thought it was wonderful, and, and, and it was up there one day, and, and then I got up and, and I got busy with something else and it was up there another day, and and, and I got up the next day, and I got caught up with something else and was there, and ended up there for a week. And And, and she said, you're still wearing the smile that I gave you. What about me? <laughs> I was just inconsistent, you know? And we all battle with inconsistencies in some area of our lives. Even Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote three quarters of the New Testament, battled with inconsistency, right? In Romans 7.15, he says, I don't understand what I do. For what what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Like, I can relate to that. I don't know about you guys, but I can relate. If there's one thing that will help each one of us become the man or woman that God has called each one of us to be, it is consistency. I believe the biggest reason that most of us never grow into a place of emotional or spiritual maturity is that we're inconsistent in our walk with God. And when we're inconsistent with him, we lose faith in the promises of God. But the Bible tells me that even when we're faithless, he's faithful. Amen? Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. But in order for us to enjoy every little daily victory that he offers to us, we have to turn our every now and thens to daily practices. He is a forever faithful God. And what he's doing is he's trying, to, he's trying to get us to be more consistent, right? So we don't miss out on what he's trying to do in our lives every day. He's developing us and getting us in this rhythm of success or this rhythm of victory so that we, get, we don't get tossed to and fro, right? So we're not like up here one day and then down here the next day. He's getting us ready for everything that he's promised to do in our lives, most importantly, through us. Amen? Let's take a look at the story. At a story in uh, 2 Kings 13. And this is uh, where before uh, the prophet Elijah, this is before he dies, and he gives King Joash some instructions. And uh, 2 Kings 13, 14 through 16, or I'm sorry, through uh, 19, it says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hand on the king's hand. See, life sometimes gets so busy that we end up like this bow, where where it tends to pull and stretch us to a place that makes us want to give up because the battle seems like so fierce in your life, right? And we don't think that we can handle it. But, But what Elisha did is he put his hands on the king's hand. This is so powerful, guys, because what it does, it speaks of, of even though we're the ones who are executing the promises that God has given us, God is saying, my hand is on you. I'm strengthening you. I'm empowering you to do this. It's a powerful uh, a moment here in that scripture, but we're not, we're not going there. Um, So we'll move on. But I want to encourage you that that, that God has got his hand on you today. Amen? No matter what you're going through today, God has got his hand on you to empower you to get through what you're going through. And so we'll continue. It says, uh, after Elijah placed his hand on the king, it says, um, and he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, "'The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance,' and that's the promise right there, deliverance from the Syria. "'For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, "'Take the arrows,' so he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, "'Strike the ground,' so he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, "'You should have struck five or six times,' Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. So here is a spiritual mentor prophetically speaking over King Joash and and, and giving him a sense of victory or greatness in a time that he was really going to need it, right? And this was to, to defeat his enemy. And he gives him this instruction. He says to him, he says, take this arrow and strike the ground. But he strikes the ground, and what does he do? He stops. He struck the ground, and he stopped. And Elisha responds to Joash. He lets him know that this is a problem, right? So here we we have King Joash who has this problem, and I think the problem that he has is the same problem that most of us have today. And that problem is this, that we don't strike the places Or the ground that God is giving us consistently. We don't strike it consistently. I think that God gives us a promise of victory. And the promises feel good. Right? They're motivational sometimes. We get a word from somebody. We get a word from the Lord. And it's powerful. Or we come to church on a Sunday. And we receive a message. And it's amazing. Right? And we feel the power of it. And the strength of the word. But here's the challenge that we end up having. Because it's a promise of victory, we assume that it's going to be easy and it's going to be right now. It's going to be easy and it's going to be right now. Like, we don't, we don't celebrate that it took somebody 10 years to become a success. We celebrate the moment they, they blew up. We celebrate when they went viral, right? And now what we've, do, what we've done is we built this whole life around going viral. But the reality is it's not like that. There was a consistent effort that took place for this person, right? The fruit of consistency isn't immediate. Victory necessitates consistency in your life. Victory, your victory necessitates consistency. Like you may, you may not see results for months, and, and oftentimes we're pulling our strength from results because when we see results, it's, it motivates us. But it's almost like going to see a movie. Like, we can't wait to see the movie. We're excited when we get in and we watch the movie, but we don't understand what it took to make the movie. We don't understand the process, the screenwriting process, and the filming of the movie. So when we don't see immediate results in our lives, what we do is we, 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 we get discouraged. We've been plagued with this idea of overnight success, and that's not real. Amen? God's written a script in our lives that promises victory in the end. He's written a script in your life that promises victory. But we have to get to a place where we fall in love spending time with the writer of the script and not just the climaxes of our lives. Amen? Enjoy how he's just masterfully weaved everything and everybody into your story and is working it all out for your good. Pastor Dom told me, Uh, when we talked about this. He said the key to golf isn't incredible shots. It's consistency. The key to a victorious life isn't a bunch of amazing, crazy days. It is just consistency, moving forward every single day with the Lord. God's in it for the long game. Amen? He's in it for the long game. That's why Scripture tells us in Galatians, Galatians 6-9, it says... Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen, y'all, the devil loves to weary you in the process of God's promise. Loves to weary you. If he can weary us in our well-doing, he can keep us from our due season. So even though some of us, like, we feel like we're in a struggle or we feel this difficulty, God is just telling us, strike it again. We feel like we're in this, this, this tussle, but he's saying, strike it again. Strike it again. Like I've already given you the victory. You just have to strike it again. So depression, just strike it again. He's given you the victory over it. Anxiety, strike it again. Cancer, strike, strike it again. Diabetes, strike it again. He has already given us the victory over it all. But this is, this is the reals generation. R-E-E-L-S. It's a reels generation. They wa- There you go. Fifteen seconds. They watch results all day long. They don't watch processes. My son, when we when he's when we go outside and we play basketball, you know, we'll be shooting around and 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 Braxton will be like, Dad, watch this. I've been working on this right here, you know. And he'll get the basketball and you know the little euro step thing. So he'll he'll bring it behind his back and toss it back up and toss it up, you know. And I'm like. great. Fancy dancer. (laughs) Right? But he'll show me his little moves, his euro steps to make. And I said, here, come here. Come here. Do this right here. Stand right here at the foul line. Go ahead. Shoot. All right. Shoot it again. All right. Shoot it again. Give me 50 of those. Because if you can't put that ball in that hoop, Consistently, then you're just a ballerino in a basketball uniform. <laughs> I was like, you got to learn how to dribble with your left hand. So, so consistently sit here for five minutes and do this. I know consistency is boring, right? But that's the result. You get a result from consistency. And so I told him, I'm like, dude, look at man, you want to... Do half of the work and enjoy all of the benefits, man. <laughs> but you know, with God, man, ain't no benefits without intimacy. You hear me? There ain't no benefits without intimacy. We only experience half of the blessings because we're only willing to strike half of the time. But our God ain't a half-of-the-time victorious God. He's a victorious God, amen? Amen. We have to get more consistent with our walk with him. A principle that's been helping me lately is uh, just understanding the power of consistency is called the compound effect. The compound effect. The compound effect is a principle where small, consistent actions or changes, when repeated over time, can lead to significant and exponential results. I'll say that again. It's a principle where small, consistent actions or changes when repeated over time can lead to significant and exponential results. I just need someone in here just to believe that God wants to exponentially increase some things in your life today. That he wants to exponentially rec- increase your joy today. That he wants to exponentially increase your health today. That he wants to exponentially increase your strength today. Amen? But see, we don't, we don't experience exponential chasing exponential. Right? It's small. Consistent actions... Over a period of time, we don't experience drastic changes by pursuing drastic changes. We experience drastic changes by implementing small changes and maintaining those small changes consistently over time causes your consistency to compound. And what happens is you'll wake up one day and you'll be in a season of exponential growth and you ain't even know it. You, you, you'll look up one day, and you'll have skill sets, and you didn't even know that you were that skilled. You'll wake up with the strength, and you don't even know how you got strong. It's small, consistent actions or changes over a period of time. And listen, if you're willing to do small things in your life like they're big things, you'll hit a season where you can do big things like they're small things. You hear me? If, 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 if you're willing, and with God, if you're willing to do small things like they're big things, then you'll hit a season where you're doing big things like they're small things. If you are willing to fight the lion and the bear when no one's looking, then you'll conquer Goliath when everybody's looking. Amen? But none of them up here, you know, they, they, don't, they, they, don't, they, they didn't learn to worship in front of y'all. They learn to worship in their secret place. They learn to worship at home, in their closets. That's where they learn to worship, and now God uses them to bring us into the presence of God. It's small, consistent actions. The devil hates your consistency. He can't stand your consistency. He's scared of your consistency, right? Because he knows that... that, that that if you decided to get consistent with God, you would become a devil-stomping, giant-slaying, water-walking Christian. You would lay your hands on the sick and watch them be healed. He's frightened of your consistency. But I believe that the devil's gonna have a nervous breakdown today, amen? I believe he's gonna have a a bad day today, church, right? Because I believe that God is breaking the yoke of your inconsistency today. That he's breaking the yoke of your, of your procrastination today. He's breaking the yoke of your weariness today. When we know that the devil is the one who's after our consistency, I'm telling you, you fight a little bit different. When you know he's after your consistency, you, you, you pray different. You worship different. You read your word different. You spend time with Jesus a little bit different, right? And your walk with Jesus ends up becoming a strut with Jesus. Okay? Okay. You ever walked into a place where you're like, you know, you're kind of leery about the, the company, the people that are there, but you walked in the room with somebody who knows how to fight? You walk in differently. Right? You, you no longer walking into the room like, I hope nothing happened. You walking into the room like, I wish somebody would. I wish somebody would. There's no longer a see you when I see you relationship with Jesus. because It becomes this, I need you every single day relationship with the Lord. That's why Jesus says in John 15, 4, he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And to abide just means it's to endure without yielding, to continue in a place, to remain stable. Abiding is just simply spending time together day in and day out. What many of us do instead, though, is we just pop in for a quick chat, right? When when it's convenient for us, and then we don't see them for weeks. But just like inconsistency kills our our, our intimacy, consistency brings us closer to God. But what we do, we have to do, is we have to pre-decide. You gotta pre-decide. A Christian's life or a follower, we have to understand that our decisions are extremely important. The direction of our lives uh, determine the quality of our decisions. So the direction of our lives, they're determined by the quality of your decisions. We make our decisions and our decisions will make us. On our own, though, we are, uh, you know, we, the problem is on our own, we're very, we're not good decision makers. But with God, with his help, we can be consistent and become better Christians every day. Amen? But we have to predecide. You have to pre-decide that, that, that instead of sleeping in, that you're going to get up and consistently spend ty- quiet time with the Lord. You got to predecide that that we're going to get up and consistently read five chapters a day of the Bible. You got to predecide that you're going to consistently get up and just do a gratitude walk daily. What happens is over a period of time, you begin to hear the voice of the Lord clearer. Over a period of time, what happens is is you you begin to gain revelation, knowledge in the Word of God. Over a period of time, what happens is is, is you become content in life with what you have because you are consistently abiding in Jesus. Let's take a look at Scripture with somebody who was very, very consistent, extremely consistent in the Bible. And I'm talking about Daniel, right? Right? Daniel was, he had this, he was in this unusual position with the Babylonians where they had destroyed Jerusalem. And they came in and they abducted a bunch of young boys with the idea of indoctrinating them, right? So they were going to feed them their food. They were going to teach them their education. They were going to, they were going to teach them their values so that the best of the best could become part of us uh, to possibly, you know, to possibly make them future leaders for, Babylon, for the Babylonians. Now, King Darius at this time, he noticed that Daniel displayed unusual consistency. And consistency is contagious. It's, a, it's, it's a t- attractive. It builds leaders is what it does. So King Darius thought this right here is a kid. He's got it, right? So he wanted to raise him up to promoting. But the Babylonian leaders, they found out about it and they thought, we ain't going to let this kid come in and take our place. So what they did was they decided to just look and find anything they could on, on, on Daniel to just destroy his character, right? So they were searching high and low, asking anybody they knew, like, what do you know about, about Daniel? You know, we all got some dirt. We don't want nobody to, to tell us, you know. I, for, who was it that met a girl that I went to high school with? Uh, they said they were on a plane and and they ran into a girl. They said, I was on a plane, and, and I ran into this girl that you went to high school with. And I was like, "Mm mm." <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> they said, it was Michelle. Michelle. Um, she said, just tell her Michelle, uh, Michelle the smart one. I was like, oh, oh okay. Michelle. <laughs> but we all got dirt, right? So they're looking up, looking for this dirt on, on, on Daniel. And Daniel 6.4 says this. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching uh, for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Those are powerful qualities. So these guys couldn't find anything wrong with him, so they decided that since Daniel was so devoted to God, they would just attack that. So they convinced the king to issue this decree and that anyone who prays to any other God in the next 30 days would be thrown in the lion's den. And so the king issues this decree, and watch what Daniel does in that situation. In Daniel 6.10 it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, He went home and knelt down as usual, as usual, in his upstairs room. With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he always done, giving thanks to God. He he did what he always did, which was just consistently pursue the heart of the Father. So when the leaders found out, they told the king about it, and and they told him, you got to follow through with this, right? And even though the king wasn't happy about it, he stood stood by his word, and he threw Daniel in the lion's den. But the Bible tells us that God sent an angel, and the angel closed the mouths of the lion. And Daniel 6.23 says, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. You see, Daniel didn't learn to trust God in the lion's den. That's not where he learned to trust God. He learned to trust God in his prayer closet. He learned to trust God consistently on his knees. He consistently sought after the heart of of God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You see, the devil, he can poke, prod, and seek to devour. But when you spend time with the Lord, what happens is you learn to fear him. And what that means is, is you learn to fear being without his presence is what you learn to fear. And when you fear the Lord, the Bible tells me that, 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 that the Lord, the, the angel of the Lord encamps all around me and delivers me. We have to have reverence and fear for the Lord. So three ways... To, to consistently, to stay consistently with God. First, is you got to show up. You just got to show up. That means you, you should schedule it. And I believe that's important because if we don't, then, then being consistent with God is going to be a struggle for you. Like, we all need to just shut the door and be with Jesus. And the best way to make sure that that happens is to schedule it. And be practical with yourselves. This is a practical message. Be practical with it, right? Find the best time that you are free from distractions or free from responsibility. That might be in the morning, that might be in the afternoon, that might be in the evening. Maybe you got a lot of time in the morning, do it then. Maybe you got time in the evening, do it then. But find what works for you and make that your time with the Lord. I've, I've found that now my mornings, I mean, I'm not a morning person, but when my alarm goes off, I, I do, I have, I, I get up and I, I make that time for the Lord. And, and my alarm goes off and I'm telling y'all, it is like, it's the battle, the whole battle like starts to ensue. Like it starts with my eyes and my, my eyes are like, which one of us going to open up first? And my right eye be like, I opened up yesterday, man. It's on you. My left eye be like, man, you know the doctor said I was the weaker one. You should go ahead and open up. Then my arms, man, they start chiming in, and my left arm be like, Man, he slept wrong last night. I'm numb. Right arm, man, you gotta you gotta lift us up, roll us over, and the right arm be like, nah, man, you always talking about how I get all the attention and I'm the stronger one. Let me see what you got today. (laughs) Then my legs be like, Man, I've been in these covers all night, tangled up. And then they start barking about how they doing all the work and lifting everybody. And they say, arms, why don't you get up and show us what you can do? Then my mind finally got to take over and tell everybody, shut up! Get out of bed. You just got to gotta make that thing happen. <laughs> That's my battle in the morning. Listen, the whole reason we were created was to have a living relationship with the living God. It's to have a living relationship with the living God and to love other people. The only way to grow with the Lord is to have a consistent relationship with him. And I know you guys are like, you know, Pastor, I got a hard time being consistent. No, you don't. If you can consistently watch the same show every week at the same time, If you can consistently get to work every day at the same time, if you can consistently feed your face between five and six o'clock every day, you got consistency down packed. You got it. The other thing that might help you is, is you need to have a why, right? You need to have a why, not just... A why this desire? You need to have a compelling why, like not a, not a desire, but a devotion of why. Why are you showing up? You know, and when I say that, not not a not a a, a a desire, but a devotion. You know, that's why I believe that's why most of us fail when we have New Year's resolutions, is because we say that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start eating better on January 1st, right? Well, why would you, that's a lie. Why would you wait till January 1st to start doing that, right? Like if the doctor told you you're gonna die if you don't stop smoking, what are you gonna be like? Okay, I'll wait till January 1st to stop doing it. No, you're gonna start right now. That's a good why. Your why has to be compelling. So you have to ask yourself today, what, where do I need to grow? Where do I want to grow at? And you might say, I want to get closer to God. Awesome. That's great. Why? Why do you want to get closer to God? Well, because I'm a Christian and that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, yeah, but no. Right? You need a compelling why. Right? It needs to be, you know, because I know that I believe that I am created by God for God's glory to serve him wholeheartedly so that the next generation to come would know his goodness and his grace. That's a good why. That's, that's, that's a why with devotion. You're you're your, 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 your getting better might be, uh, I, want, I want my marriage. I want my marriage to be better. Why? Why do you want your marriage to be better? Well, because my husband's a jerk and he needs to get better. I need you guys to pray for him. <laughs> no. That's not a good why. It's because I want to I honor God with the vows that I made before him. I want my house to be a sanctuary of peace. And I want to be a godly example for my children to see what marriage can be. That's a good why. So we have to show up, schedule it. Have a compelling why, why you're showing up. Second thing is, do it against all odds. Do it against all odds. Daniel was in an unfavorable, unfavorable position. He knew that, that, that if he got caught praying to God, it was a death sentence. But what did he do? He was so devoted to the Lord, and he had so much faith in God that he just did it anyway. He stood alone. We're going to find ourselves in situations where it's unfavorable. It's an unfavorable position. We, it's not going to be popular. You know, we were headed to a cookout um, a couple of months ago at one of my family members' house. And on the way there, Pastor Michelle sent the text and said, hey, do you guys need us to pick anything up? Uh, we're almost there. And the text came back, and she just kind of chuckled out loud. She laughed, and she goes, well, this text is for you, Pastor Marlin." what are you going to do, Pastor Marlin? And I said, "We'll read it. And it said, yeah, hey, grab us a couple cases of beer. Any kind will do. <laughs> this is my family. I love them, you know. Any old kind of beer, it don't matter. And so we got there and I gave her the rice and beans that we came with, and I was like, hey, man, like Pastor Marlon, I, I buy you condoms before I buy you beer. I don't, I don't, I don't buy beer. I'm not a, a beer-buying, beer-drinking, Newport-smoking pastor. I don't do that. I love you. I hope you enjoy the rice and beans. There was no, I'm not going to break ground, right? I'm not going to do what I don't normally do just because I'm headed over to my family's house. You know, what are you, some kind of Jesus freak? Yep, sure am. Love me some Jesus. Die for me some Jesus. Yep. Because he first loved me and he died for me. Our devotion for Jesus, our love for Jesus might not get us Instagram popularity, but it's going to get you a crown. Fall in love with the process. Fall in love with the process. In our Christian walk, we're never standing still. You're never standing still. You're either, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. You're getting closer to the Lord or you're moving further away from Him. You're either getting stronger or you're getting weaker. Daniel didn't pray because it was a duty. He just loved time with the Lord, right? He loved intimacy with God. He knew the Lord was his strength and prayer was his lifeline to God. Amen? The psalmist David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It wasn't a chore for David. It was a delight. Every morning that we come on Sundays, I say that to Pastor Michelle, man, I was glad. When they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I love worshiping Jesus. But the reason people don't enjoy spending time with God is because we really miss the reason why we're spending time with him in the first place. We spend time with God just to know him. We spend time with the Lord to know him and to become more like him. And, and see, if we miss that, our time ends up being a chore instead of a healthy relationship. And how do we get to know him? We get to know him through prayer, through worship, through reading the word. He wrote you a personal love letter. Why aren't you reading it? Our, our, our relationship is developed by two things, by communication and time. Communication and time. Without him, you're, you're establishing nothing. And the reward, it it, it isn't in the result, right? The The reward is in getting to know the person of Jesus and the process of transformation as we become more and more like him. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me. Let's close. Listen, God wants you to know today that he's already given you the victory. He has already given you the victory. And all he's telling you today is, is strike it again. Strike it again. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. He's saying strike it again. Strike it again. He's got his hand on you today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's surrounding you, the presence of the Lord is surrounding that problem. He's so much bigger than anything we ever deal with. Do small things like they're big things and enjoy the season of exponential growth in your life that's coming got to pre-decide, to pre-decide. spend time in his presence and his word, choose an attitude of gratitude every single day. Show up every day, schedule your time with the Lord, do it against all odds, dare to be different than everybody else, fall in love with the process. Fall in love with the process of knowing the person of Jesus. Fall in love with the process of becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. Amen. So, Father, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would do surgery on our hearts today, Father that we would be open to what you want to do, what you want to say in our lives, God. Help us to overcome our sin nature of inconsistency, Lord. I ask, Father, that you would help us stand against all odds. That we would be more consistent in our time seeking you every single day. It's more consistent in our time in your word, more consistent in our our time with our families, more consistent in loving other people. I pray, Father, that we would find our rhythm, our rhythm of heaven, Lord, as we walk with you, that we would enjoy our talks with you, We thank you for your leading. We thank you for your guiding today, Father. We thank you for your covering. We seek you and only you every day, Father. We want to be devoted, devoted to you. Help us find our why. We love you today, Jesus. And we bless your name. In your mighty name we pray, amen. 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 If you've never given your life to the Lord, we want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. We're going to have some of our altar ministers come up as well because we want to pray with you before you leave. If you've never given your life to the Lord, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Transform me. Make me brand new. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. I promise from this day forward, I'll live my life for you. That's the first time you ever said that prayer. We want to welcome you to the family of God. Thank you guys for being here today. We look forward to seeing you next week. If you want to go to Midweek, remember Lorraine location at 7 o'clock. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We love you.